Hi, and welcome back to the Frontiers Health Podcast, a series created in partnership with Frontiers Health and Mission-Based Media. I'm Dan Kendall, the founder of Mission-Based Media, and in this series, you'll hear a selection of interviews and talks featuring speakers and sessions from Frontiers Health events. You can find all the episodes of the Frontiers Health Podcast on the Health Podcast Network. Just go to healthpodcastnetwork.com, and you can stream or download the podcasts that matter most to you. Of course, you can also find the episodes on your favorite podcast players, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And when you're there, be sure to hit subscribe so you automatically receive new episodes as they go live. In this episode, we'll hear a keynote that was delivered by Andrew Thompson. Andrew is the co-founder, president, and chief executive officer of Proteus Digital Health. His vision for digital medicines is focused on expanding global access to care, dramatically increasing the value delivered by drugs, and creating a more sustainable model for innovation that leverages the power of silicon and software. In this keynote talk, Andrew Thompson explains why this new category, digital medicines, is a sector that will generate revenues of over $100 billion within 10 years, and within 30 years, why every drug in the world will be a digital medicine. Remember that you can hear and meet speakers like Andrew live by attending Frontiers Health. Visit Frontiers.Health to find out about upcoming events taking place all around the world. And come meet the team and hundreds of others who are working to transform healthcare at the annual Frontiers Health Conference that's held each November in Berlin. Just visit Frontiers.Health and join the community. Now, without further ado, here's the keynote by Andrew Thompson. So, uh, I've heard a rumor uh, that in the pharmaceutical industry there are a lot of pilots. And um, if you have a lot of pilots, then what you want to do is fly. So, that's what we're going to talk about. Um... I'm going to suggest that the the number one issue in the pharmaceutical industry today is R&D productivity. Uh, Moore's law, which many of you may know about, has led to uh, uh, five decades of faster, better, and cheaper in the technology industry. And Eroom's law, which is Moore's law backwards, has led to five decades of slower, more expensive, and better in pharma. But it's definitely slower and more expensive. R&D productivity has been halving every nine years reliably for five decades. So in the face of those kinds of challenges, is there a way for creating innovative products that make the pharma industry look more like tech? How can the pharma industry get in on Moore's law? Digital technology is enabling one of the biggest shifts in human society that's happened in at least 100 years. It's about a shift that's moving from buildings, people, and products to interactions that are about mobile devices, software and services. It's creating ubiquitous access to information that was previously only available to specialists, and it's empowering populations to be their own financial managers, their own travel agents, personal shoppers, increasingly their own care coordinators and nurses. It's enabling the creation of exquisitely tailored products and services that meet the needs of individual consumers. It reduces costs, it eliminates waste, it improves satisfaction. Maybe, just maybe, digital technology could be used to create novel pharmaceutical products that can make innovation in pharma more sustainable. So, November 2017, Otsuka Pharmaceuticals and Proteus received the world's first ever NDA for a digital medicine. So Abilify is the leading drug in the world that's used to treat mental health problems. What's new about Abilify MySight is that when you swallow it, it communicates with your mobile phone. It accurately reports the ingestion of the pill, 
and it automatically captures information about your life, about your rest and your activity, and you can also record the patient's mood. So, many of us in this room probably have troubles remembering to take our medicines. That's true also for mental health patients, but unlike most of us in our room, in this room, if you're a mental health patient and you forget to take your antipsychotic, that can quickly lead to breakdown and hospitalization. It's not the same thing as, to, as forgetting to take your antibiotic. Families know this, and they struggle with how to support loved ones, especially when they don't know if patients are using their drugs or about their rest and activity. And physicians struggle in exactly the same way because they don't know what's happening to these patients during the 99% of the time when they're not in their clinics. So Abilify MySight really, really helps reduce these struggles. It engages patients in their own care. It helps build social networks that families can use to support loved ones based on accurate data about what they're actually doing with their life-sustaining drugs. And it creates objective data sets so physicians and care teams can intervene early if patients aren't doing well. Some people in this room may have some preconceptions about people with mental health problems, and they may think, gosh, would they be able to use these solutions? So a bit of background on that. We began working with mental health patients in 2009. We used human-centered design processes. We partnered with folks who are schizophrenic and bipolar, and then with leading physicians. What we learned, actually, from testing these solutions with these patients was that they liked them so much that after three months of a trial, they didn't want to give them back. The benefits were really great, particularly the psychosocial benefits associated with having uh, information amongst the family about what was really going on. Very common uh, phrase, actually, from some of the kids who were in these trials were, this gave me my mum and dad back. We actually ended up with patients uh, putting up a booth at the National Association of the Mentally Ill, telling doctors uh, that they should use this technology and encouraging pharmaceutical companies to work with us. And that's how Otsuka came to approach us. They have a deep commitment to serving this community. They are the leading innovator in mental health, and we thought they would be the ideal partner for us to work with. So we began doing that in 2013, and some of you may know we announced a major expansion of that partnership about a month ago. Um, we're working now on a full portfolio of mental health drugs with Otsuka that will all be digital and co-commercialization co with the company so that patients can get access to all the digital services that they need. The most important thing here is that this is a portfolio of products, and that's very innovative in a pharma-centric world. It's not about one drug, it's about the whole portfolio that patients need. Otsuka wants to benefit from the incredible opportunities that are created by Moore's Law. So for the first time, what we see here is a novel pharmaceutical where the innovation is based on silicon and software. That's the platform that's driving the release of value in many other industries. So a digital medicine solution is based on drugs that communicate when they're ingested, a wearable device that detects your physiology and uh, tracks things like your activity and your rest, apps that will engage the consumer and families, and analytics that support providers and payers. They are, enable us to answer the two most basic questions in all of oral medical care. Did the patient take the drug? And if they did, is it working? As uh, Roberto mentioned, the enabling technology here is a new kind of computing. It's ingestible. It's made from ingredients in your diet, literally. Minute quantities of essential minerals. It's very tiny. It's the size of a pinhead, you can see. There's no battery, there's no radio, there's no antenna, there's no RFID. It's a completely novel uh, communication architecture based on what's called binary phase shift keying, BPSK. And if anybody wants a physics lesson later on, I'll try and do it, but I probably won't do it very well. Um, this is approved by FDA as a medical device, 
It's extremely safe. There's no pregnancy, medical condition, age, chronicity of use restrictions. It's a very broad clearance. To gain approval for a fully integrated digital drug, there's now a CEDA pathway, pathway through US FDA. You take an approved drug with an improved ingestible sensor. You have to do a stability study and establish bioequivalence and show some human factors. It takes about 20 or 30 months. Total cost is about $50 million. And at the end of that, you get a new NDA with a new NDC code and a new naming convention, and you can build a brand new business. Sometimes people in pharma say, oh gosh, but do you have a patent on the molecule? How can you actually build a business in pharma if you don't have a patent on the molecule? Well, a um, bit of a wake-up call here. You can actually patent more than, than molecules. You can patent circuits and sensors, formulations, communication methods, algorithms, analytics, business models. And the key here is all of this is tied to a unique novel piece of computing hardware. And because this field is so new, there is decades of innovation waiting to be patented. And to put that into context, we already have about 450 issued patents at Proteus. What does this mean? So in the last century, pharma created enormous therapeutic potential. So for many diseases now, we have cures and very good therapies. A lot of that potential is wasted because adherence to drug is universally below 50%. And drugs don't work if you don't take them. So 2018, Annals of Pharmacotherapy in the US published a study says that uh, costs associated with inappropriate medication use in the US this year will be about $530 billion. That's about 16% of the total budget. Really important to note here, this is not a defective patient problem. This is a defective product problem. Consumers really struggle to make use of products and services in open loop systems, especially if they don't have knowledge, skills, or motivation. And doctors and care teams can't succeed if they don't have the information they need to titrate, rotate, or eliminate drugs. What we're showing is that digital medicines enable all types of consumers to engage with their own care using the cell phone in their pocket or their purse, and it empowers healthcare providers to deliver care that is specific to individual consumers based on objective data. We have literally conducted over 120 clinical studies. We've used these products in thousands of subjects. What you see here is a randomized study published in peer review. These patients had to have high blood pressure, high blood sugar, and high lipids. They had to have been on drug therapy for at least six months, and they had to have failed every single endpoint and effectively be designated drug refractory, which means they're not responding to drug therapy. What you see in terms of the results is that in the treatment arm, which is these patients now on Digimeds, within three months, 98% of these patients reach their blood pressure goal. Zero to 98 in 90 days. That's pretty remarkable. In the control arm, 51%. What that says is the digital effect is as big as the medical effect. Digital medicines, and the effects are about equal. If you looked at the cohort here, 22% psychiatric comorbidities, mainly low-income, family, family income below $25,000 a year, high school education, heavily minority. This is classically medically, socially, economically isolated population. Net promoter score, by the way, here, 55%, which is around what Apple would be. We've confirmed this in commercial implementations, and what you'll see here that's really notable is that after a short course of Digimeds of around 90 days, if you look back a year, these results are sustained, which means we're actually training people on how to use their drugs, and then sustaining the clinical outcome. Let's go to a different field, infectious disease. Um, if you have adherence challenges, you can often be denied therapy, uh, especially in infectious disease where there's a concern that you may create a drug refractory condition. This is very much something that affects mental health patients. 
who are perceived to be higher risk. And in the US, roughly 50% of the patients who are diagnosed with, diagnosed with hepatitis C are indeed mental health patients. This is the clinical study that we uh, completed last year. Uh, we're doing commercial implementations now. But what you'll see here is that these are homeless patients. They were all denied access to a direct acting agent because they were thought to be too much of an adherence risk. They went on to digital medicines. They were tracked. People who needed help were given it. And all of them were cured. It's worth thinking about what this means for the pharma business model. People talk about drug pricing and they say that's the problem. It's not. The whole business model is the problem, and particularly the innovation model. If it costs $5 billion to create a drug, and you have five years to get a return, then by definition, the price of the drug has got to be high. What's really crucial for folks in pharma to understand is that digital technology is not an add-on. It's a multiplier. The more data you have, the more valuable it is. The model you see here, a bit dense, but you can see it, it's based on experience with thousands of patients on Digimeds. And so specifically, what does it do? Well, you get more share in the therapeutic category because you can treat more patients. You reduce utilization barriers because even difficult patients can succeed. You increase persistence, you increase possession, you add revenues based on data, and you extend the product lifecycle because you've got all of these new patents that protect your solution that are based on the digital technology. In this example, the lifetime value of the franchise is increased by nearly 10 times. Now, that may seem a little surprising, and some of you may be scratching your heads, but let's just go to another industry and, and, and pressure test that. 20 years ago, the peak market cap for the dominant media company that made its money on advertising was about $80 billion, and that company was Time. Today, the market cap for the dominant media company that makes its money on advertising is around 800 billion, and that company is called Google. That's a franchise multiplied in value by 10 times, and what did it was data. So, some people here might be involved in drug development, and I'm imagining that if you could show that your franchise, by the time you got your product to market, was worth 10 times more, you might get more budget. That would be great. And oh, by the way, when you do, if you use digital tools to develop those products, you'll be able to do it faster, better, and cheaper, just like you can in tech, because you'll have huge new um, information, huge amounts of new information directly relevant to drug development. Not just for new molecules, but for high potential established medicines that you've given up on because you didn't have a patent on the molecule. But now you do, because you have a patent on the system. So, these are globally scalable solutions today. We've invested heavily in infrastructure. We leverage established tablet press technology, semiconductor reel-to-reel -reel systems, global data networks, highly accessible, secure in, in, in encryption technologies. We're fully compliant with all the relevant laws in Europe, US, soon to be China. We're HIPAA compliant. This is something that can be done and is being done around the globe. So, in the digital world, transformative power comes from knowing specific detailed information about individuals. Companies on this list have lots of data. They have sophisticated algorithms. Don't be fooled by the big data slogan. The real power of these companies is not size or computational capability. It comes from knowing specifics about you, not just what you buy, but how you shop. Not just where you vacation, but what you do when you relax. Not just who your friends are, but how you interact. And not just what medicines you take, but how you take them, and when you do, how they affect your daily life. 
These insights are massive multipliers, and they are releasing trillions of dollars of value. So this is the first time in 36 years FDA has created a new category of pharmaceutical. In 1982, the technology innovator was Genentech. The pharmaceutical partner was Lilly. The drug was Humulin. And what came after 1982 was an industry we now call biotech. In 2017, the technology innovator is Proteus. The pharmaceutical partner is Otsuka. The drug is Abilify. What is coming is a whole industry that we will come to know as Digimeds. We are 120 years into chemistry. We're about 36 years into biology, and we are literally one year almost to the day into digital medicines. Physics will turbocharge chemistry and biology, and in our opinion, for everybody in this room, this is the healthcare opportunity of a lifetime. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Frontiers Health Podcast. Be sure to check out all the episodes on the Health Podcast Network by visiting healthpodcastnetwork.com. There you can also find links to subscribe on popular podcast catchers like iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And most importantly, be sure to check out frontiers.health to find out about upcoming events all around the world and learn more about their annual conference that's held each autumn. I look forward to seeing you there. 